S.E.P. Fanfic Readings presents Aurelian by Biddy Blue Eyes Chapter 18 Black Past Revealed Master Harry, Hermione Granger is here to see you, Creature announced from the entrance to the sitting room. Good, thanks, said Harry. You did tell her to just come in here, didn't you? I knew that on my own, Hermione said, from behind the house elf. Master Harry is in the sitting room if you wish to see him, Creature belatedly informed her. Thank you, Creature, she said kindly. Morning, Hermione, Harry smiled. Good morning. So, I'm seeing Draco, she hurriedly announced. Harry's eyes widened at the forwardness of her statement, but slowly a lopsided smile tugged at the corner of his mouth. No need to beat around the bush. You can be frank with me, he teasingly remarked. I'm sorry, Harry, Hermione apologized. I know this is... It's okay, Hermione, he interrupted her. It is? she asked nervously. Yeah, he said with a small shrug. I mean, after what we saw, I kind of figured you guys would give something a try at some point. I'm still a little surprised, I admit, but last I knew you still weren't letting him see Aurelian. I thought maybe you were making negotiations when I left yesterday. Not... I changed my mind. He came over for dinner on Friday to play with Aurelian. Last night he came to dinner... er, for me, too. Hermione fidgeted as she said it, and glanced up at Harry when she was through. You're really not... er... Upset? No. Does it feel awkward? Well, Harry rubbed the back of his head. Just be careful with this. Both of you, right? Hermione smiled and nodded. So, uh, yeah, Harry said uncomfortably. About Ron. He's not going to take this well. Hermione assisted him. Yeah, it's not that he's... He didn't see what we did in the pensive. Had I not seen it for myself, I don't think I'd take this well either. Nor I, Hermione agreed. Nor Draco. I guess some things are just too hard to imagine without help. Just, how bad do you think it'll be? With Ron, it's hard to tell. But I think he might surprise you, Harry told her honestly. He won't like it, but I think he's had to play around with the idea a bit already. I mean, Ron understands the basic biology of it. Aurelian had to happen somehow. Oh, Godric, Harry, Hermione whispered, covering her face in mortification. Yeah, that was a little too deep into it, Harry swallowed hard. Morning. Draco greeted as he walked into the room. Master Harry, Draco Malfoy is here to see you, Creature croaked. Creature informed him that he may seek you here. Harry and Hermione stared at Draco, both blushing a deep crimson color. What? Draco asked, confused by their welcome or lack thereof. Nothing, Harry said hurriedly. We were just talking. Uh, good morning. Morning, Hermione said quietly, her cheeks getting hotter when she remembered the light kiss on the cheek she had received the evening before. "'Well,' said Harry, glancing at his watch, "'it looks like we're running just on schedule. "'Andromeda asked us to be there about eleven, "'but neither of us mentioned the flu. "'We'll be arriving by apparition. "'Do you know where it is, Malfoy?' "'No, I don't,' Draco admitted. "'Just like in the pensive, "'he felt a little uneasy about meeting his aunt for the first time. "'He hoped that Potter had remembered to mention "'that he would be coming with them, "'but he couldn't bring himself to ask. "'That's fine. "'You'll just have to side along,' said Harry. "'Both he and Hermione offered their arms simultaneously.' They looked at each other in surprise, and Harry quickly lowered his arm. Hermione blushed, and Draco looked at them both suspiciously. After a second's pause, Draco lightly took hold of Hermione's proffered arm. As soon as he did, he felt the familiar pulling and stretching sensation of apparition. When his body felt firm and natural again, he took a moment to survey his surroundings. The three of them stood on an empty sidewalk of a very familiar-looking residential neighborhood. 
It was one that Harry and Hermione had seen many times before, but Draco had viewed only once in the pensive. He recalled that memory well and automatically reached for his wand pocket. Harry stayed his arm. "'You won't need that. This isn't the memory, and I saw her just yesterday at the burrow when she picked up Teddy,' Harry told him. Draco nodded. "'Habit.' "'A good one, but we don't want her to feel uneasy or suspicious.' Draco nodded, and he and Hermione followed after Harry. Their walk through the neighborhood was a quiet one, each of them concentrating on their own thoughts and questions. It was only a few minutes later that their walk led them up a small, worn path to the front door of a small white house. Harry knocked twice, and the door opened almost immediately. Andromeda greeted them when she opened the door. Right on time, as usual. Harry glanced at his watch and saw that it was indeed eleven o'clock on the dot. He was actually rather surprised. He was almost exactly on time whenever he came to pick up Teddy to visit, but that was because he was usually excited to see the boy and waited by the flu for the clock to strike the hour. He loved his godson very much and desired to be a part of his life. Arriving by apparition with two guests, though, he was surprised at how well they managed to time things. "'Thank you,' Harry said as the woman let them in. "'Hermione,' she nodded. "'Draco?' Draco was surprised to hear her use his first name, but even more surprised by the ease with which she spoke it. They had never technically met. "'Nice to see you, Aunt Andromeda,' he said cordially. "'You don't have to say that, you know,' she told him. "'No,' he said, taken aback. "'I mean it.' He was rather surprised that he actually did. It was difficult for him to accept that he had so few living relatives. But even more troubling was that he had two living relatives not far from him that he had never met because of an old, petty family dispute. "'Well, in that case, I'm pleased to finally meet you,' Andromeda returned with a smile." But let's not just stand at the door. Let us move to the sitting room, Harry. The house was quite small, so Harry, being at the front of the group, led the way. When they entered to the small sitting room, Harry took a seat at the far side of the settee. Hermione sat next to him, and Dracos took the other end. Andromeda smiled to them and summoned an armchair so that she could sit opposite them across the coffee table. So, may I offer you some tea? she asked before sitting. Uh, no, thank you, Harry declined. This is just meant to be a short visit. Andromeda looked at him sternly. It does not matter how long the visit or how well one knows their guests. It is proper to have tea with a conversation, she stated. Draco stared at the woman and felt that he knew her so much better already. That very phrase had been told to him by his mother many times. Even just the two of them, a proper conversation could not be made without tea. She looked rather like his mother also. In fact, Andromeda looked rather a perfect cross between her older and younger sisters. Her long, shiny hair was medium brown in color, and was swept into a sleek French twist. Her heart-shaped face was neither as soft as his mother's or as sharp as Bellatrix's. She looked both youthful and worn. She was a woman who had lived a difficult but satisfying life, and it showed in her eyes. "'Of course,' said Harry. "'I didn't mean to be rude. We would love some tea, thank you.' She smiled at him fondly, much as a mother would a child, or more like an aunt would her nephew, and politely excused herself from the room." "'Harry!' a small voice shouted with glee. Harry was able to look up just in time to see the flash of a smile before a toddler hopped into his lap. "'Hey, Teddy, did you miss me already?' Harry asked. "'Uh-huh. You miss me, too?' the little boy beamed. "'You know it.' "'So, what's with the color today?' Harry asked, running his fingers through Teddy's thin black hair. "'Like Harry's,' Teddy told him, lightly patting Harry's black hair in return. "'Of all the fun colors in the world, you chose black.' "'I thought you said black was yucky,' Harry said. "'Black yucky lots of times, but not on your head,' he said seriously. "'Oh, of course, but don't choose it just because of me.' "'I won't,' 
Colors take their turns. Yeah? Well, what color do you think you'll have tomorrow? Hermione asked. Um, his, Teddy said, pointing at Draco. Draco looked stunned and confused. Oh, he's a metamorph magus, Hermione explained. He changes his hair color frequently. Makes sense why his hair was purple in the pensive then. His mother was one also, wasn't she? Draco asked. Yes, she was. It's quite rare, especially two generations in a row, Andromeda answered as she entered the room with a tea tray. Teddy, why don't you go play in your room while we talk? But I want to stay with Harry, he pouted. It's really up to you, Andromeda, Harry told her. All right, you may stay, but you must be quiet. And if I tell you it's talk-talk, you must leave the room with no fuss, Andromeda told Teddy seriously. He nodded and smiled. So what brings the three of you here today? A case we're working on. We were wondering, do you know who Dennis Creevy is? Harry asked as he finished stirring sugar into his tea. Dennis Creevy? Yes, I believe I do. His brother was lost in the battle, poor boy, she said sadly. How is he doing? We're not sure, but we don't think well. He's gone missing, and we're asking around to see if anyone has seen him recently. We were wondering if you might have, Harry explained. Oh dear, how long has he been missing? she asked with concern. We don't know the exact date, but he went missing sometime around the end of school term. Oh no. No? No, I haven't seen him, she answered, looking worried. Can you remember the last time you did? Hermione asked. She jumped in surprise when her handbag started vibrating. Sorry, she apologized as she dug through her bag and found her phone. She saw that it was Ron and ignored it. She could speak to him soon. Sorry, go on. Well, I haven't seen him very many times, she said pensively. I've only seen him three or four times since the memorial service. I may have seen him out while shopping and not realized it, but other times I had seen him at the cemetery. He was visiting his brother, I suppose. The last time was... Well, it must have been winter, as we wished each other pleasant holidays. Oh, so you haven't seen him in the last six months, Harry said, looking a bit disappointed. No, she said remorsefully. I must ask, though, why do you ask me? I really don't even know the boy. Well, I apologize that we can't really answer any of your questions pertaining to the case, but really we're asking about anyone we can think of. We'd also appreciate if you could keep an eye out for him. We don't want people knowing that he's missing, but if the chance ever arises to mention him, if you hear anything about him, we'd appreciate if you would let us know, said Harry. Of course, and I ask you to let me know when he's been found, she requested. But is that all you came here for? I did say that it would be a short visit, Harry reminded, looking at his teacup that was still more than half full. As he was looking into it, Teddy dropped another sugar cube into his cup. Harry chuckled. Well, I'm very sorry that I couldn't be more help, Andromeda apologized. That's really all you need, then. Well, yeah, I... Actually, Draco interrupted uncertainly. Andromeda and Harry turned to him like they had forgotten that he was even there. I apologize. It's quite random, really, he warned. But I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about my grandmother's ring. Andromeda was taken aback by the question. To her, it did seem quite a random request. To Harry and Hermione, though, it was taking hold of a brilliant opportunity. There was little known about the ring and so much they wanted to know. They hadn't once thought to ask Andromeda, though they wouldn't have known how to approach the question if they had. Well, I suppose, but I don't really know what it is that you're asking. Obviously your mother has told you that it was our mother's wedding ring, passed down through generations. What is it that you wish me to tell you? Andromeda inquired. Well, mother has mentioned those things, yes, but she has always been quite reluctant to talk about it. I was told once that there was quite a dispute about who the rightful owner of the ring was, Draco asked tentatively. Ah, 
You speak of Bellatrix, then, Andromeda said, the subject quite clear to her then. Yes, I suppose it would be quite difficult for your mother to discuss. Andromeda paused, and the three guests on her sofa waited with bated breath, trying their hardest not to appear overly interested. The ring has been in our family for a few centuries now. Our father was given the ring by his grandmother, and gave it to our mother when they were wed. It is quite a coveted piece, ancient, delicate, and pure, goblin-made. Our mother died during the First War, natural causes. I was not there. I had been shunned by our family several years before then. She died only a few months before you were born, Draco. It was upon her deathbed that she spoke to your mother and gave her that ring. My mother was certain that you would be a boy, and wanted you to give that ring to your wife one day. It was a serious slap in the face to Bellatrix, to whom the ring was supposed to have been given. Why was the ring supposed to go to Bellatrix? Harry asked. Well, it is an heirloom. It is meant to be given to the next male in line to be married. But as none of us had sons, it should have gone to the next woman in line to be married. That would have been my Dora, but I was no longer considered part of the family. Therefore, the ring would go to the eldest child, Bellatrix. Now, I know that one would think that our mother gave it to Narcissa because she was with a child, but my sisters and I know that it was more likely that it would have gone to Sissy anyway. Andromeda chuckled mirthlessly. She sounded a tiny bit spiteful the way she said it, but she shook herself from it, and her kind and simple explanation continued. See, your mother was our mother's favorite from the day she was born. Mother looked on her and thought she was the most beautiful and pure creature that had ever touched the earth. Even her name suggests it, as Mother deviated from the tradition of naming children of the black family after the stars. Instead, Mother named her Narcissa, after the nymph Narcissus, who was known widely as the most beautiful and proud creature in history. It was no secret at all that she was Mother's favorite, and though I admit that it stung me, it was nothing to the way Bellatrix felt about it. She always believed that being the oldest meant that she had the right to more respect. She and I had been on pretty even ground before, Sissy, but Bella was... angry. Andromeda said, looking quite frustrated as she remembered. Oh, but listen to me. This is not what you asked for. I'm sorry. I... No, please go on, Draco pleaded. Andromeda looked at him thoughtfully and continued. Well, as I was saying, Bella was angry. There is no other word for it. Bella had always been an angry child and easily became jealous. She tried often to upstage Narcissa, but always fell short in Mother's eyes. There were a few times when she took her anger out on Sissy, but it only served to drive the wedge between Mother and Bella deeper and caused Mother to pull Sissy closer. Your mother, I admit, had nothing to do with this. She provoked nothing. In fact, I believe she tried to remain quiet and average, but Mother thought it only made her seem more angelic, Andromeda explained. Bella tried in so many ways to take your mother's place at the top. She truly thought she might have found it in the day she married Rodolphus. What better way to impress our parents than to marry a pure-blood man of good standing? It didn't have the effect she was hoping for. She turned to you-know-who, she and Rodolphus. Though I'm sure she did it because she believed in what she was doing, I also believe that she was seeking mother's pride and approval. She hated Lucius. Bella, I mean, not our mother. Lucius also joined you-know-who. While Mother said nothing of Bella's involvement, she disapproved of Lucius's involvement because she didn't want Narcissa involved. You truly can't understand what it was like simply by hearing it. There was so much tension, anger, and sadness simply because of my mother's blatant favoritism. I gave up. I wasn't Bella. I knew I'd never earn Mother's love or approval. I found love with my husband, Ted Tonks. I was disowned for it, but it was worth it to me. And I'm digressing again, she chuckled sadly. I... I'm sorry, Aunt Andromeda, Draco apologized sincerely. 
It had gone much deeper than he had imagined. He wanted to tell her that she didn't have to continue, but he'd never wanted someone to continue so badly. His family rarely shared so much, and certainly not so openly. No, it's okay. I see your interest in it, and I'm now finally getting back to answering the question you actually asked, she smiled softly. And yes, your mother was only a few months from giving birth to you when our mother passed. Our mother giving that ring to Sissy, regardless of the reason, was a slap in the face to Bella. It was the proverbial straw, I suppose. She left, disappeared. Even Rodolphus didn't know where she went. Your mother was frightened. She didn't know what to do. She came to me, seeking advice. Mother met with you. But I thought... Draco looked more confused. He knew what it meant to be disowned from the family. That person was shunned completely. He was surprised that his mother would have made contact with Andromeda. Yes, she did, she smiled genuinely. We still meet from time to time. Some bonds are just too strong to sever completely. She needed me then. I was the only other person who understood about Bella. Sissy thought about just giving Bella the ring in hopes that it would assuage her. She never got the chance, though. When Bella returned, it was with the new air about her. We learned then where she had gone. She'd run to you-know-who. With him, she found the acceptance and pride she was seeking. She had devoted her everything to him, wishing nothing more than to do whatever he asked and gain his favor. The fact that it gave her an outlet for her anger probably appealed to her as well. And the ring, then? Hermione asked curiously. Bella said no more about it, Andromeda answered. I think part of it was finding power, pride, and acceptance. The other part... Well, our Aunt Walburga Black, Sirius's mother, felt sympathetically toward Bella. She believed that our mother was in the wrong to offer the ring to Narcissa over Bellatrix. Having no daughters of her own, Aunt Walburga gave Bellatrix the opal necklace that once belonged to our grandmother Irma. That, though, I hate to admit it, rather upset me, as that was once promised to me. I had long dreamed of giving it to my own daughter. That was before I was disowned from the family. I knew that when I went with Ted that I would lose all of it— but that didn't mean it didn't sting. As you can tell, those silly little trinkets certainly meant a lot to us. I'm a little embarrassed to admit, but it is what it is. Oddly enough, my Dora still got it in the end. Wh what do you mean? Harry asked in confusion. I don't know how. Fate, I've decided. Dora was found after the battle with that opal necklace in her hand. Kingsley said that it was Bella that killed her. At this, tears began to well up in Andromeda's eyes. I thought that maybe I should hold on to it to hand it down through Teddy, but I just couldn't. I saw what trouble heirlooms can cause. I don't want that for future generations. As I've said, I believe it always should have belonged to my Dora, and some higher power seemed to agree, so I didn't take it from her. What do you mean? asked Harry. Where is it now? With Dora. Buried with Dora. At this, a rogue tear slid down Andromeda's cheek. I'm sorry. You'll have to forgive me. "'No, no, you'll have to forgive me,' Draco said quickly, standing up. He retrieved a handkerchief from inside his robes and handed it to the tearful woman. Andromeda chuckled and nodded at this. "'Your mother has certainly raised you properly, it seems.' Because of her laugh, Draco couldn't decide if it was a compliment or not. "'Thank you,' she said kindly and genuinely. Draco nodded and sat again. "'Well, Andromeda, I'm really sorry we disturbed you like this. I assure you that it was not our intention,' Harry apologized." "'No, Harry, it's all right,' Andromeda reassured him. "'Sometimes it does a person good to remember such things, "'and it most certainly helps that those that hear it "'do not make the same mistakes.' "'Draco realized that, as the ring's owner, "'the statement was directed at him. "'Thank you again, Aunt.' "'And thank you for coming, Draco. "'Perhaps we might see each other again,' she said. "'And Harry, 
When did you say you'd be picking Teddy up next? I've forgotten already. Well, I'm not sure, actually. Regretfully, I'm rather busy right now. I assure you, I'll be owling or fluing soon, Harry told her. But for now, I think I better go place him in bed for you. Harry lifted the sleeping toddler in his arms. All the talking had put him straight to sleep. Harry disappeared around the corner down the hall. Nice to see you again, Hermione. Andromeda smiled. You take care of those boys, all right? Always, Hermione smiled. It was a task not often verbalized, but she knew that many, including the Weasleys, trusted her to keep reins on both Harry and Ron. Thank you. Harry re-entered the room and said his final goodbye before leaving with Hermione and Draco. They walked silently back to the place they had apparated to earlier and stopped. Well, we didn't learn anything about Dennis, but that was certainly an informative trip, Hermione stated. Yeah, good on you to ask about the ring, Harry told Draco. Draco nodded, lost in his own thoughts. We've learned much more about Bellatrix than I ever thought we would. We'll look into her mind, and she seems even more frightening. She has no motives now. She's simply angry and wishes to punish the world. It's quite disturbing, Hermione agreed. It's frightening, really, to think about this all went back to their mother. If she had only taken a little more interest in Bellatrix, she may have never turned out like this. It's scary to see just how much influence a mother has on a child's life. So, what now? Harry asked. Oh, Ron, Hermione remembered. I need to phone him back. You don't mind, do you? No, said Harry. It might help us know where to go next. Hermione took out her mobile and called Ron. Draco blocked out the half-sided conversation and tended to his own thoughts. He went over the many times he had seen his mother and Bellatrix together. His mother had always seemed stiff and uncomfortable with Bellatrix around, almost defensive, and Draco had never understood why. Bellatrix, though cruel to nearly everyone, seemed kindest to his mother. The worst he had seen of her toward his mother was stern disapproval, that it was nothing more than he would have expected of a big sister with concerns for her young sibling. It all made so much more sense now. His mother was afraid of Bellatrix. She, though, by Andromeda's explanation, did not want to hurt her younger sister. Though it was doubtful that Bellatrix consciously recognized her motives, her attitude toward Narcissa had come from the insatiable desire to please her mother. "'Draco?' Hermione asked tentatively. "'What? Sorry,' Draco said, snapping from his thoughts. Hermione glanced anxiously at Harry, worried about how Draco seemed to be taking all of it. "'Well, Harry just said that he's going to meet with Bill. It seems that he might have found a few goblins that might be interested in negotiating an exchange of information.' Harry wanted to know if you and I would like to try to go to Nocturne Alley today, or just prepare for tomorrow. Um, well, we were originally thinking tomorrow, because Hagrid had seen him there on a Tuesday, right? So let's just plan everything for tomorrow, and hope Tuesdays have a special meaning to him, Draco suggested. I agree, said Hermione. All right, said Harry. I'll speak to you both in the morning before you head out. All right, Harry, Hermione smiled. Harry nodded and disapparated. So, back to my flat, then? Sounds fine. I just apparate outside your front door. Is there a better place? Draco asked. No, outside the door is fine. See you there in a second. With that, Hermione disapparated. Only a second after she arrived on the doorstep, she was joined by Draco. She smiled at him and unlocked her door with a quick wandless spell. Make yourself at home. I just want to make a quick call to Ginny, Hermione told him. Draco looked around uncertainly before taking a seat on her sofa. Hermione disappeared into the kitchen with her phone already in her hand. Ginny? Hermione asked when she received a friendly hello. Hermione, she returned cheerfully. Don't tell me you're done already. Yep, it wasn't meant to be a long visit. How are things going? Fine, we're doing great, Ginny answered. Good. Well, Harry is getting together with Bill now, so Draco and I are just at my place getting ready to do some planning for tomorrow. I thought I might come pick up Aurelian. 
Why? Ginny asked in confusion. You're still working. We've got him all right. In fact, I was sort of hoping you'd call because I wanted to ask you if it'd be all right if I brought him to my practice with me this afternoon. I know how much he loves Quidditch, and the girls would just eat him up. Oh, well, yes, I guess that'd be fine. I just don't want you to have to keep him longer than needed. I really feel bad about asking you and your mom to take care of him every day, Hermione said remorsefully. You haven't needed to ask. Mom and I are happy to watch him for you. You can't possibly expect to be able to work well with him under your foot all the time. And we love having him around, really, Ginny replied ardently. You're sure, Ginny? I don't want you to feel obligated to... Hermione, stop, Ginny insisted. If it was a problem, we'd tell you. Us watching him is nothing, really. It's different for us than it is for you. There are a lot of people here to watch him, and we're all quite used to having little ones around. You became a mother just a week ago, and have been either working or watching Aurelian every second since then. You know what? I've changed my mind. I'm not even giving you a choice now. We're keeping Aurelian for the day. He's coming to my practice, and he'll be staying here the night. You need a break. What? Hermione asked in surprise. Yep. Mom just agreed with me. You're taking the day off. You need it, Ginny stated matter-of-factly. Ginny, you don't need to. Of course we don't need to. We want to. You need a little time to yourself. Some time to just breathe. Don't worry about us. Aurelian will be fine. We'll make sure he has the time of his life while he's here. You can come and get him when you're done working tomorrow and no sooner. Take some time to relax. Ginny. No arguing. This is good for you. Now, Stop worrying and finish work so you can go do something fun, Ginny ordered. Hermione smiled and shook her head. Thank you, Ginny, and thank your mom for me, too. I will. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Hermione closed her phone and walked back into the living room. Sorry about that. No, it's fine, said Draco. What was all that about? Hermione blushed. She had forgotten how easy it was to be overheard in her small flat. Ginny said she's kidnapping Aurelian and giving me a day off. I'm not allowed to retrieve him until after we're done working tomorrow. Draco smirked. I always suspected that she was a rather feisty one. That she is, but she's also a really great friend, Hermione said with a warm smile. So, I'm getting a bit hungry. How about you? Yeah, I guess I could go for something. What did you have in mind? Draco asked. Do you like Chinese food? Hermione asked. Yes. Well, there's a good Chinese restaurant just two streets down. I was thinking we might do some takeaways so we could get some planning done. Does that sound all right? Sure, that's fine, Draco agreed. Do you know what you'd like, or would you like to look at the menu? Hermione asked. I think about everywhere has Kung Pao chicken. I'll take that if they have it, he said. Okay, I'll just call a place and order, she announced, flipping her phone open again. You use your phone for that? He asked curiously. Yes, it's a muggle restaurant. All muggle businesses have phones. It's rather sad, but I have their number memorized. When I lived alone, I didn't really eat as well as it seemed like a waste to spend so much time cooking just for myself. Anyway, I'll give them a call and we can get started. As soon as she hung up, she grabbed her notepad and quill and sat down in the armchair near Draco. They went through details of the layout in Nocturnally, the different types of people there, the places they planned to visit, and different complications that could arise. They had just about had everything planned out when the Chinese food delivery man rang the bell. Hermione retrieved the food and returned to the living room. We'll just eat in here, she told Draco as she handed him his order and set of chopsticks. So, I think we've got everything sorted rather well, she opened her cardboard takeaway container and started eating directly from the box. Yeah, I'd say so, he agreed. How much do I owe you, then? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's in muggle money anyway. Don't worry about it, Hermione told him. But that's three times I've eaten here now. I don't want to take advantage of you, Draco insisted. You're in my home and I offered each time. Don't worry about it, she said dismissively. 
So, what are you planning to do with the rest of your day off? Draco asked conversationally. Not sure, really. I'll probably just stay around here. I'm pretty tired, she said. I suppose it's been a pretty tiring week for you. Well, yes, but I haven't really been sleeping all that well. I'm not really used to sharing my bed yet, she replied. I forgot about that. I imagine it's quite a change. He's not very big, at least, Draco said, trying to look at it positively. But he's very snuggly. Every time I move away, he seems to follow me, she chuckled. So he's not bothered by sharing, then, he asked. No, but when we, um, they were in hiding, he slept every night with either you or me. He tends to wake rather frequently if I'm not sharing the bed with him. It's going to be a challenge switching him over to his own bed, I think. We'll make it through, okay? I only hope that he'll learn to stop getting up before the alarm. Her last word was stretched into a yawn. Sorry. He's an early riser, then, Draco asked. Quite an early riser. I woke up this morning just a few minutes before six to a crash in the kitchen. Aurelian had somehow snuck out of bed without me noticing and decided to try and make us some breakfast. When I went into the kitchen, a few dozen eggs were cracked on the counter and the jug of milk was spilling all over the floor. Not really my favorite way to start a morning, she said with a worn smile. Wow. Does he get into mischief a lot? Draco asked with a stern sort of concern. Well, I hate to call it mischief, really. He always means well. He's just a very independent little boy. That, coupled with being overly helpful and very creative, tends to create a lot of messes. And he's in no way malicious. I actually feel rather bad when he sees me flustered, because I know he just wants me to be proud of him. And I am. I'm just not used to all of this yet, she said guiltily. You seem like you're doing great at it, though, if it's any consolation, Draco told her seriously. Thank you, she replied with a genuine appreciation for his commendation. Sounds like your friend Ginny was right when she said you needed a break, he said seriously. I... I can't take him home with me, not without my mother knowing about him, but if you need a break sometime... I can come and take him somewhere for a while. I mean, if you're okay with that. Thank you, but it's really not that bad. I don't want it to seem like he's a hassle or anything. I really do love having him here. It's a big change for me, but it's... It's an amazing change, really, she said with a fond smile. I'm not saying that it isn't. It doesn't mean that you have to do this alone, though, Draco told her. Hermione stopped and just stared at him. It was an odd feeling. An image from the pensive came to mind. She remembered the memory of herself clinging to Draco with Aurelian in his arms. It was sad. The family had been so frightened and clung to each other so desperately. Her imagination replaced those people with the people that she and Draco were at present. Would they ever be able to be that close? So you're just going to sit around here today? Draco asked, changing the subject. Yeah, I'm thinking about just popping a movie into the television. I haven't been able to watch anything but children's shows for a week, she said. You can join me if you'd like. You know, if you're not busy. Draco looked surprised by her invitation. You can say no, it's okay, she said, feeling self-conscious. No, I think I'd like that, he replied. But, well, when I said I knew what television was, it might have been a bit of an exaggeration. I know that it's the moving people on a box, but I don't know anything beyond that. Oh, well, it is, when you put it like that. It sounds more like a wizard portrait. It's really more like a play. There are a lot of different film genres. There's drama, romance, action-adventure, comedies... It's a lot of fun, Hermione offered. Sounds interesting. What were you thinking of watching? Well, I don't know. Harry mentioned before that there's a movie that he thinks just about everyone can appreciate. Ron and Ginny really like it. It's about war, so it's an action movie, but it's also a drama and romance. It has a bit of humor and history in it, too. And it's not really over the heads of wizards. 
and suddenly she realized how the last statement might have come across and quickly added, Not that wizards are stupid or anything. I only meant that... I understood what you meant, Drago interrupted. It's okay. I understand that there are a lot of muggle culture that I am not familiar with. You don't have to worry about offending me all the time. But I do, Hermione said quietly. I never mean to offend anyone. Sometimes what I say just comes out wrong. I know you don't mean offense, so don't rush to defend yourself all of the time. You'll know if I'm offended, he told her. Hermione smiled and nodded. So what is this movie called, then? Braveheart. It takes place in the 1290s and is very, very loosely based on the historical events surrounding a Scottish man named William Wallace that led a rebellion in the wars of Scottish independence, Hermione explained. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Let's see it, Draco agreed. Hermione put the DVD in the player and joined him on the sofa. She took up her box of Chinese food again and pulled her feet up on the cushion, being sure to give Draco plenty of space. She found that she had to do a little bit of explaining in the beginning. He needed help to understand the events that were simply insinuations in the story, and she needed to explain the passing of time, and how the adult they were watching was meant to be the same person as the boy in the beginning of the movie. He caught on quickly, though, and began shushing her comments. She just smiled, happy to see him so enthralled by it. At one point, Hermione saw Draco look at her quite suddenly in objectionable horror. When she finally understood what he must have been thinking, she choked on her lunch. She had completely forgotten about the sex scene in the movie. She quickly assured him that it would not show anything explicit, and further added that the actors were just acting and they weren't actually having intercourse. Still, both of them felt rather uncomfortable throughout the scenes. Draco by the scenes, and Hermione from having had to explain them. They took secret glances at each other, and both still had rosy cheeks several minutes later. Hermione awoke on the sofa rather confused. She was stretched out and covered with a light blanket. She sat up quickly. Draco wasn't on his side of the couch. She looked at the television and saw the DVD menu was up. Her eyes jumped to the clock and saw that it was 6.30 in the evening, several hours since they had sat down to watch the film. She looked again at Draco's empty space and noticed that her notepad propped up on the corner of the sofa with a note from him on it. She leaned forward to read it. Dear Hermione, I'm sorry to have left without a goodbye, but I didn't want to wake you. The show is incredible, and the story is one that will always stick with me. Watching television was a rather fascinating experience, and I thank you for inviting me. If I know you at all, then I'm sure that you're feeling guilty for falling asleep. I insist that you don't. You obviously needed the rest. I will meet you here tomorrow at noon. Thank you again for sharing the movie with me. Enjoy the rest of your day off. Sincerely, Draco. Hermione sighed. Regardless of what he said, she was sorry. It wasn't just about being a rude host, though. She was sorry that she'd missed watching the rest of it with him. After a large yawn, she got off the sofa and went to the kitchen to make herself a sandwich. She returned to the living room with her quick dinner and a glass of milk and took up the DVD remote. She didn't care if she'd seen it many times before. It was a great film, and she was going to finish it, all the while wondering what Draco had thought at the different scenes. <laughs>